And then you have Steven Spielberg, who over the years has learned to go from literally storyboarding everything, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, to shooting movies where he'll walk in not knowing what's been prepared for him, so it will surprise him in order to get him to go to deeper levels of his own creative process because he's just engaging it for the first time. Hey, everybody. This episode is with Rick and Adele Carter. Rick is a production designer, which is the head of the art direction team. You have undoubtedly seen at least some of the films that he worked on. Here is a list. Back to the Future, Parts 2 and 3. Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Amistad, What Lies Beneath, Castaway, AI, The Polar Express, War of the Worlds, Munich, Avatar, Sucker Punch, War Horse, Lincoln, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The BFG, and most recently, The Post. He has won Academy Awards for both Lincoln and Avatar. Adele formerly worked at People Magazine and is Rick's wife. They are two of the most ruthlessly unpretentious people I have ever met. They also happen to be my aunt and uncle. So I have the privilege of being able to riff with them on a consistent basis. Um, they're just two, two wonderful people. And in this conversation, we talk a lot about the creative process. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to my website, kyle.surf, not kyle.surf.com, just kyle.surf. That's where you can sign up for the book club that I recently created, the monthly email that I send out, and all kinds of other good stuff. So without further ado, please welcome Rick and Adele Carter. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. key thing that I've found is that, and I keep repeating this, so it must be something that's resonating in my mind, which is a metaphor of, of the collaborative process uh, attempting to become greater than some of the parts. And what that means to me is that each person who's collaborating is contributing, but that the the individual contributions on their own, while some of them might be great and, 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 and actually come up with great ideas, and the, even the idea that's driving the whole thing um, is not as great as what happens when it becomes bigger than all of that. And that all of that is a bit of a mystery as to how that's achieved, because it's not identifiable with one consciousness. And I think people understand the difference between the expression of one consciousness and multiple consciousnesses. We, 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 we feel it. So when you watch a, let's say in my medium, a, a movie, 
and you experience multiple consciousness, but hopefully through the lens and the, the, the direction of somebody who, or some core group that is propelling it. But if you feel that there's a multiple, almost intangible, greater than the sum of the parts, then what happens is it, it's, it's what you referred to earlier. It's, it's more than one, it's more than two, and it's three becomes a crowd, and from that point on, it's you can't di dissect how many voices there are because somehow it's achieving a level where it feels like it's washing through your brain as just what is. It's no longer I'm in a dialogue with another entity. I'm in a dialogue or it as a reality is coming to me and I'm just perceiving it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you told me once that Steven Spielberg said some of my greatest ideas are not my own. Right. And I would imagine that he was kind of speaking to that, that there's at a certain point in the movie, just this energy pushing forward. And if you're all going in the same direction and get the bigger picture, then it can turn into and something yet great. It's what he's identifying is that he is the director. So he's the one whose idea is going to be expressed. So what he's saying is if I say action cut moving on that's good or let's do it again or whatever form of directing he takes i like that color i like that set i think that's a good idea for the scene uh that's a good thing for somebody to say whatever whatever part of that actually is manifest um in his process is actually as a result of maybe other voices that have given him that idea, but at that moment, it's his idea. And so it gets to be carried through into the direction of the film. And and so he's he's having his cake and eat it too. Right. He's, he's open, and yet he's still assuming that position. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the, the, the ability to collaborate, I mean, even someone is, who's been in as many a part of as many movies as you. It seems like that's one thing that you do very well. For me, it's the essence of everything I do now. Right. I, can't, I actually don't know how to do anything else. It's, it's a weird thing. I've, I've gotten to a point at age 67 where I recognize that I'm, I'm not the person who does everything that you hire somebody to do the job of, whatever that job is. So right now I tend to have vaguer sounding jobs like associate producing or 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 consulting or even if I take on the, the, the title of a designer, I'm I'm really providing the essence of, of the of the catalytic point of view that tries to bring things together. Huh. And sometimes run into the territories and the obstacles and they stress me out at this age. So I have to back off and not try to will them into existence as though I need them more than everybody else needs them. I may see the vision of what they could be, but I can't actually make it happen in a way that I may be used to feel that I could, whether I was or not. I don't know whether the contribution is greater or lesser than it used to be, but I think that, that our conversations, and I'll just say with, with Adele, you over the years, uh, reflect a process of trying to locate, for me, myself in the process so I know what I can and, and can't do, and then limit that or change directions. So 
if I'm if I'm actually perceiving something negatively, and Adele helps me to see that 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 you go down that road, you have nowhere to go. And huh. when I can hear that, um, then I can understand that I need to shift the paradigm so that I can survive the situation. I may choose to withdraw from the situation that I'm in, and that might have been my first instinct. But I might give it one more shot by seeing, is there a higher consciousness or a higher road that already between just Adele and I would be the greater picture of what we're getting from my being involved or, or in, in our lives, what, what we're involved with, what can we do and not do? Yeah, so Adele, what are some of those, of those questions that you will ask? Like, what does that conversation sound like? I really don't know, but I, I guess what I've been thinking about since we started this conversation is what's so important as a driving force is our soul. Like, we're, we're constantly trying to... It's like if, if life is... If life is in a level like a carpenter's level and we're trying to always find our soul finding the balance of life with our soul in that middle yeah and the bubbles going a little so to the left and a little to the right, a little right. Yeah, right. we've got <laughs> yellow on the right and on the left because we're trying to figure out how to keep our soul in the best condition not as though it's a, a known thing but we're discovering it and right. seeking it while we're balancing right. all those forces that make us happy or sad or make other people happy or sad. Yeah, and a lot of times it need, like, I feel like I sometimes don't know when the level is off and it takes someone else in my life to be like, ah, that, that picture looks a little crooked, Kyle. You might, you might want to redirect a, it a little bit. I, Rick does that a lot for me. Yeah. yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, but it's it's just like it's this, like the conversation started out about searching for something, but I think a lot of times it's our soul that we're we're searching for an ability, an op avenue to express these like, questions that are like driving you, like why do you want to talk to so many people and. Find out what's deep inside of them. Right. Because you're like looking for what's deep inside of you too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you all, know? It's all, yeah. It's, it's so like, it becomes a fun conversation to be having. Right. Yeah. Well, it, the, it, it seems like that's, I mean, so, podcasting can be very cathartic for me because I ask these questions and then later in the day or later in the week or months later, I'm like, man, I'm experiencing that thing that they were telling me about. And I, and I think that a lot of the creative process and like the reason that we're getting things out is that we're, I don't know, like we're trying to get that essence of ourself out in a way that feels real. And that's why it's so excruci excruciating when we put something out that isn't a good representation of our soul. I agree. Or, you can put something out that's a representation of your soul and it's not well received. <laughs> right. That can be <laughs> yeah. even worse. And that that's a very, very there's only some people that are really capable of, of, of digging that deep and doing that and then and succeeding with it. And it's not necessarily a lifelong of uh, 
success all the time, every time. So this 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 prospect of of discovering who you are, you know, in a, in a, in a very obvious way, ultimately becomes is who you what your soul is and as a friend once said to me um, when I a long time ago sort of brought this up the the duality between my soul and myself he said well aren't you your soul and that's a very interesting question because the 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 nature of at least my consciousness is that I do an awful lot of things and stuff and thoughts, and probably those are my soul's expression, but the soul, when it's touched or, or feels mostly alive in me, is somehow, um, when, when I get it, and it, the two come together and it's like a joke, and then somebody walks through the door and you have to pay attention to that reality because that soul level is both deep and also on the surface as, as anything from the outside at any point can walk through that engages you and actually might have meaning. Yeah, I mean, we're, talking about, we're talking about creativity and what can block us from becoming our most creative selves. And a lot of times... I heard a good, you know, I heard a good quote uh, recently that I really liked. That someone said the essence of creativity is basically just fucking around, <laughs> and I really liked that because I think so often we can get too caught up on legacy and we can get too caught up on wanting what we put out to be the best ever, and it can hold us back from breaking through that ceiling of complete creativity and as you said at the beginning of this conversation like getting to a point that you never even thought was possible because um it, it, the, the product is greater than the sum of its counterparts yeah I, I for me i guess i would say that um the thing that attracted me when i first got into movies was to be guided by some consciousnesses of the directors that I was working with, Steven Spielberg and, and, and Bob Zemeckis, who seemed to have an ability to, to understand that the, the nature of creativity that relates to fucking around also can be goal-oriented at the same time. And I never was quite clear on that connection I, I think I relied on the fucking around to create the thing and then see how it played with other people and 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 myself as far as whether it was a, a creative expression but that they seem to have the ability to have it be goal-oriented and and thus allowed them to lead and direct multiple people in multiple levels uh, in this thing where they were having fun and exploring, but that they understood that th that which was being um, created by them having fun or fucking around was also actionable 
as an item that someone else could help them with. But mm. let's say it's the music or the or the cinematography or the acting. Yeah, bring me into a situation like this that you're you're describing. Well, um, the one that would come to mind is Bob Zemeckis at a at a production meeting, and we're going through the script and we're talking about the scenes, and he's saying the various elements that he sees in the the scene that are going to require multiple input from various departments, whether it's makeup or special effects or cinematography or lighting or production, uh, locations, art department, um, costumes. And we're all sitting there in that meeting. And as he says something, he knows he's, he's, he's turning on a light bulb within the, the mind of various people that he's talking to, not everybody at the table. And sometimes there are difficult situations in terms of production that he doesn't know how to accomplish, but he's putting it out to the team to try to help him to figure that out. So one time I remember when he was uh, talking that way, he started laughing to himself. And he, then he said, well, what I'm laughing at is I can literally see the light bulbs go off in different people's heads when I say something that I'm that I'm really into doing, but I'm double tracking it now so that I can actually see who I'm impacting. And I'm not being mean or 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 benevolent. I'm not I'm just doing it, but I see it at the same time. So, cool. so that means that he could see what the impact was of his thought and what the expectation would be of the people around him to either at that moment have a solution or not have a solution, or just have their mind blown that that's the way he saw it. <laughs> and then did they have a question for him that would help clarify what he meant? Right. And, and, and how important for him to be able to put that thought out into the room in the way that he wants it put out. Right. And then you have Steven Spielberg, who over the years has learned to go from literally storyboarding everything like in Raiders of the Lost Ark to shooting movies where he'll walk in not knowing what's been prepared for him so it will surprise him in order to get him to go to deeper levels of his own creative process because he's just engaging it for the first time and, wow. and, and he used to in an intermediate step between the storyboard and that Described that as a fearful process that he knew, frankly, got him out of his shtick because if it wasn't planned, he had to dig deeper in the moment to come up with the what was really, for him, the important thing to capture. But he had to do it not having pre-thought it too much. And he does he, he describes it in that way. That Absolutely. Like, really. So and then now says, I don't want to see it because now he understands that it, it if he sees it. It will. He will already have had a thought process with engaging that which he's going to 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 use as the the basis of his creativity, which is to walk into a space, see the actors, and then start his painting, which is essentially one shot at a time to develop that scene. Now, where he's gotten to in his process is, um, he doesn't even have those production meetings. So he doesn't even <laughs> tell people what to do other than, in general, some ideas with certain key people. And he does tell very succinct directions in those for those of us who can follow 
the specific language, knowing there's a huge gap that is created, but we get within that gap a wavelength. And the wavelength is almost palpable, where those of us who are on that wavelength will look at each other and then discuss what the wavelength is, and then we will go location scout without him. We will plan all sorts of scenes and know that he will be okay with it. Or if we have a question, we'll know which questions to come back to him with because we'll know we have assumptions that we're making about what we think is the wavelength. We just want to check in to make sure that's right. Right. So listening is a super big part, especially when it sounds like with someone like that who could just, he'll throw something out to a team and then that team needs to interpret that's right the the direction and so the listening is not only with your ears it's with your consciousness so then it starts to go to another level which the metaphor would be if you remember in the movie et when et is at home while elliot goes to school et goes to the refrigerator and he pulls out a beer he starts drinking a beer then Stephen cuts to Elliot at school getting drunk. And Elliot gets so drunk, when E.T. falls over drunk, E.T., uh, Elliot's head goes to the desk and he falls. And he, he wakes up and he sees all the frogs look like E.T. So he frees all the frogs and then it causes absolute chaos at the school, which results in him getting a kiss now, that is a stream of consciousness that has, no one else would make that up like that. And yet the, the linkage between E.T. and Elliot only exists in the cut, in the, in the movie. That's, that's, that's how you know one is relating to the other, because the medium of the cinema is creating a metaphor for what it is to transfer, transfer your consciousness to someone else so that they feel the impact and then, in a sense, do your bidding because E.T. would want all those frogs released who look like him. And he'd want to be kissed, which he does get kissed at the end of the movie by uh, Drew Barrymore, the little girl, when he says, I'll be right here. So let's back engineer that. That was great. Back engineer so, yeah, so let's like So let's back engineer how that took well, place right because there was the team involved there was something that came from steven and then it was it was uh taken taken out by the team so well i wasn't like, what even, are, i wasn't even there sure but what that one but i but what i'm saying is what he was metaphorically expressing in his cinema at that stage of his of his life was a metaphor for how he does actually communicate and that's why he can get so much done because he knows the essence of what delegation is all about. Because it's, it's, not, it's not, I'm giving this as a directive, you must follow this. That's implicit. That's his position. It's just that if you're on the other side of that wavelength, you, you grasp for some reason, and he's able to do this with multiple people, and not just me in my position, if I'm not there, there's other people that have been production designers, and they pick up on it as well. Some more than others. Um, some struggle with it and would look at it as a lack of direction. Some get it, and then they are able to, as I have, partake in that process. 
that's a very refined level of, of um, the collaborative process, and it's it's manifest in the body of work that he's he's created, and that's not to, to denigrate anybody else, uh, you know, uh, Jim Cameron or, or or Robert Zemeckis or J.J. Abrams, they're just a little more uh, controlled with not so much that they're controlled, they are more controlling with their personalities and their characters and their egos with what they want to express. Stephen was like that when he was younger. It's just that he's matured over a, a process and a, and a lifetime to a point where his his way of communicating is is a little more um, refined to to that which is the most important part without having to repeat himself too often in order to get what he ultimately wants. But I can tell you he doesn't know what he wants other than on the soul level when he starts. And that's where he makes the decisions. And the soul level is, is, is the one that, 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 that he can access quite directly, which is, which is um, for me, uh, very inspirational to be around. Were you, well, what, what I hear too in that ability to collaborate and is this he has a ginormous ability to trust in the people he gathers around him and he he imbues the people on his team with enormous confidence by just expecting the they'll come through with what he wants so it creates a wonderful sense of appreciation in those who are working with him i think which is pretty wonderful well, yeah. trust it's a huge amount of trust it's just it's, it's just it's extraordinary like, it's like trusting that the, the level the construction level is level with a big team yeah. on a soul level yes right right that's and trusting right. that, that that essence is being carried through to right. make sure that the picture is straight when it gets hung up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I mean, I want to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of like what that communication looks like, because I think that it's, it's so communication is so difficult for people, especially when it comes to delegation and. Um, really life, like a lot of the, the suffering that <laughs> happens in life is from us feeling like we're not really being heard and a lack of communication or miscommunication. Absolutely. So for you to give that kind of high praise to him um, goes far beyond just production world. It, just, it goes to oh, being able to say what you really mean and have it be heard. And 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 to contribute in a, in a process that allows... Um, for something that when it is created reflects, as I said before, not just him, but me and all those other people. And, and everybody seems to be on the wavelength participating uh, from a deep level. And, and, and I can tell you right now, I just went in the other room during the break and, and got an email in which it was the exact opposite. It's just um, people who can't seem to uh, not be territorial with their processes in which, and are trying to draw me into a, an either or situation. Hmm. And 
um, I really struggle with that because I, I can't, I can't allow that to happen, uh, knowingly. It doesn't mean it won't happen ever, but if I see it, I can't take that step where I'm, uh, making a choice that relates to two people fighting over territory and I'm then taking a side in which I, unless I honestly felt one side was much more important than the other side. And, and that's part of the lament that I think our souls have in life is that there are these frictions between uh, people and their territories as they, as they perceive them. And literally, in the email that I just sent out in relationship to a question of, uh, that was being asked, and I was saying, well, I feel uncomfortable because it seems like it's making a choice and then the response was, well, then you guys should just choose on your own, meaning as though I'm on the other side. And I, my only thing I could say is why? 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 You know, I don't, I do understand that that's the way of the world, but I don't understand why that is the only choice that, that one can make given that situation. And I, and, and, and also, I know that if that truly is the paradigm that's being set up, that number one, it's, um, it's uh, difficult for me to participate in. And, but number two, it, it, it's dysfunctional in a way that, that, that is at its core, um, maybe there's a reason, but I, I don't know how to... to, to uh, it's the, the exact opposite of it being the sum of the parts. It's that all the parts are separate and they can't seem to work together. And then I suppose that's why you have a situation in which we have now politically in our big picture where you have a person who's saying none of anybody else's opinions matter, only my idea matters. And then all, the rest of us all have our varying degrees of, of reaction to that and our actions that go against that. But this taking of sides or bringing together of spheres is a, is a profound level that I'm making sound serious, and it is serious, but it also is fun because it has multiple dimensions in which it, it manifests so that it can be... Um, you know, even the situation that I'm talking about ultimately can be fun. Right. Because I just have to see it for what it is. And then. Well, you it, can look at it from another paradigm, right? Because if you, if you, well, if you've been in a room where a different conversation has taken place and, and resulted in a great product, you know that there's another, uh, another, another means to it. There's yeah. another way to get to that end. Yeah. Right. So what is that? other paradigm look like like or at least what are characteristics of it the simplest one that i i don't know if it's right and i don't know if this is a soul level because i think it has a little bit more to do with living on planet earth kind of just um slogging through but is the idea that when you are under threat things that actually might in fact threaten your existence then you um don't want to fight amongst your family or the people that are actually people who think like you and are trying to do the th same thing you are. 
And that could be a, a big global political situation or it can be down to a family or a work situation where people are fighting with each other and they really can't afford to be fighting with each other because the threat from the outside is, is, is essentially existential, meaning they can actually be uh, all taken out of the situation if it's truly um, a problem on that level. And, and so I don't know that it is, and I'm not trying to threaten anybody, but I'm kind of saying to myself, God, if you can't get along, then maybe you're the wrong people to be doing the thing that you're doing. Hmm. And maybe I am too. Maybe we all are. Right. Because, because particularly if there is a purposefulness to the, whatever the thing you're trying to do, I'm being vague here, but I'm saying I'm, I'm involved in a project that has problems like that. Whereas when you have Steven Spielberg or, or um, Jim Cameron or, or Bob Zemeckis or J.J. Abrams at the helm, you don't have those problems because they have a way of accessing another level uh, that is their soul level and expressing something and being successful with it. Can you um, give me an example uh, with either Stephen or Jim uh, where they were able to do that? Uh, that something that you were a part of? Well, um, I think it has to do... Uh, Stephen's pretty easy because, as I said, the, the, I don't mean easy, but the, the ability to see the bigger picture uh, and be the bigger picture that other people can partake of is, is, is there in his, in his essence. Um, um, someone like Jim Cameron, it's, it's, it can be more uh, problematic in the sense that his process is more fiery in the sense that, 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 that as he engages people, he, he really wants them to, to go up to a standard that, that, that he's uh, applying to himself. And that's a very, very um, powerfully uh, difficult standard, let's put it that way, because he's creating things that have never been created before. And yet, he, what he's able to do is to, to not cross certain lines that make him then uh, dysfunctional or self um, defeating. Mm. That's the key is you can take it up to a certain point, but if you actually cross over it where you're actually defeating what you wanted to do, so you can't accomplish it, then all that you just did doesn't have any meaning, all that ego or what, whatever that drive is. So specifically with, with, with Jim, he's able to hear specific kinds of um, messages from people at the right time and from his own consciousness to to back off if he needs to hmm. and to hear that and not and not be self-destructive and yet push it to the boundaries where everybody around him is in a survival mode because that's how he creates he's, he's in a survival mode and he's willing to do that in his real life too he's willing to go to the bottom of an ocean that no one's ever truly been to in real life not just metaphorically so um, I admire that that ability, um, and I, I, I've experienced it close up. So th th that's the way I perceive it, anyway. Yeah. What are your Adele? thoughts, Adele? <laughs> um, 
I I really can't say on that subject. I really don't know. It's too it's it's um it's a little too complex for me. Kind of, but kind of like I I think that at the, at the same time like you're I think that you're very good at appealing to the good in people. Right, which is in essence I like what it, what it is. Stay on that planet. Yeah, I don't always succeed, like, but I try. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, yeah. I remember once we were walking down the street and we were coming back from dinner, and there was this very nice car that went driving by, you know, multiple hundred thousands of dollars car, and I looked at you and I was like, oh, I just can't believe that some people spend their money buying these cars like just just ridiculous to me and like how insecure must they be and how much they might must just hate themselves and immediately like went to this place of like they must be a horrible person and you looked at me you're like well they might have just been really curious about what it was like to drive that car too <laughs> that's true i was like yeah, shoot. Like, uh, and, and I think you said something like, and you know, they might also do a lot of really great things with their money too. That's like, true. That's all very true, Adele. I didn't yeah. think of that. Oh yeah. Which is profound. Like the, that situation might seem pedestrian, which we were walking, so get it, pedestrian. But <laughs> but it, it was profound that you were able to think in that paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a paradigm of of curiosity. And speaking to the good in people. Um, and I think that, I mean, obviously, Rick, you're you're operating with big teams and big productions, but that seems like what we're circling around here. Well, I think, that, I think that speaking to the better angels, as Lincoln called it, you know, I think that's a big, big part. And I think that's part of what we're experiencing in our times right now. We're so aware that we're being spoke that they were being spoken to which uh, stimulates our our worst demons right. not our better angels and so that voice and what it does uh, on intimate levels and all the way up the, the chain of of our lives to the, the biggest levels is I think there's an aspect of the soul in there that 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 is is uh, accessing our lives and trying to speak, and then speaking both ways, both speaking out and speaking down into the depths of, of what we have in us or don't have in us. So I think you, you, you identified the, the right level that is, um, when, you, when you reach a complexity, as I was just trying to describe, of, of a problem, uh, I am when I say why I'm trying to speak to the better angel. I'm trying to say, I like a child. I don't understand. Explain mm-hmm. it to me so that we can start from that position, and then maybe we can get a different solution than the one that's being proposed, which is just us or them, this or that, where the binary um, equation does not allow you to move forward. You have to pick a side. That's it, and. I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with that. I can pick a side in the big picture at the moment because there's a kind of humanist perspective to have that I feel is a part of, of my life's work or my life that I, that I value. And I feel like there's forces out there that are quite non-humanist. And when by humanist, I mean in celebration of the human spirit and our existences and our, our multiple uh, range of, of how we are 
and 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 it's not about being tolerant so much as though you're the position that gets to decide as much as it's um just a, a basic acceptance and celebration of that which is how we all are i think the other thing that's tricky about what what you were describing about the um pick a side uh mentality which I, I, sometimes you have to do i guess is pick a side but is that there's just not a lot of creativity in that um right yeah that's mindset that's, right yeah no, it's, that- it's more like a it's a very um and in some ways, it's sort of a derogatory mindset. And yeah, it's a hard you to just cut out forty nine point nine. Yeah. In the moment that you did that, to some degree, forty nine point nine percent of the of the essence of your ability to be creative was excluded. Right, and and, there, and you're part of a team that's being paid to be creative. Right, right. So or like, as soon as you start picking these sides, all or of a sudden, you're just in life. And, right, and. Are we forty nine point nine to fifty one point one? It's it's a very interesting dynamic through life when you feel you're on the side that has momentum and you can believe in it, or you're against another side and they've got the momentum, and and then that gap in between that that I'm always trying to um, define, which is where there is some space to be creative. And to, like you earlier said, kind of, um, you know, f- fuck off, you know, like. like. That's you know. really what I was wanted to say is like when you say pick a side, it really is like saying. Let's not be creative or, here. Yeah, or fuck off. Yeah. It's, it's like that, that. That's that's how specific and tight, specifically tight the. um The paradigm is the in that conversation. Gets, yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy to to get there and you know what i find when i get tight like that it's uh, it's really helpful to loosen up yeah yeah Yeah. i I was having a conversation with friends recently about uh being mean in the schoolyard like and how how mean kids are to each other in elementary school and we were talking about the the gang up mentality where there's a group of kids and they'll gang up on one kid and we're deconstructing it by saying that it's actually a it's actually a bonding experience between the kids who are ganging up on the one kid who's getting picked on. It's not even so much about the kid who's getting picked on. It's about the team and that bonding feeling that, that they feel by having an adversary. Which I, I could imagine another element to it, which is that we do have this need to feel like we're right sometimes and I think sometimes when I I can also see that group mentality of feeling mightier than somebody else not even being about bonding but like feeling like yeah I know the right thing to do or I know I'm smart or I've got it or I'm cool and that person isn't so it could become an experience of having a high a personal high of feeling good about yourself by picking on somebody yeah some other poor little person so how do you like what questions do you ask yourself when your mind is going to that place of i'm right they're wrong 
because I think that you are uniquely good at having that perspective of, ah, the, well, the person who's driving that really nice car could be any number of people. Yeah, well, I, I, it kind of comes from the thing of like everyone needs some place to live and some people have more money to spend on it than others. And everybody who wants a car, who can get a car is going to want one. So they're all going to choose what they can afford. Or, um, I think I lost the train of thought, but you, it just trying to keep my, my, for me, a lot of it is when I start to hear negative thoughts, I'll ask myself if I'm tired. That's a good one. And when I when I when I when I hear like a steady stream of negative thoughts. Yeah. Well, I go, okay, Adele, <laughs> I think, you know. Right. Yeah, well we're basically just kids who have become older. And when the kids tired, you ah, you throwing a little tantrum right now. You little get tired. A little cranky. Let's, let's get to bed. Let's get to bed. We'll talk about this again in the morning. And that can go all the way up to a multi multi million dollar production, right? Where there's That's right. <laughs> just a bunch of tired people in a room. That's right. <laughs> Maybe, and when you, know, you get older, dealing with bigger toys, but still just tired. <laughs> and also, uh, age brings with it a potential of being more tired. So then the, the, the C words, uh, crotchety, cantankerous, um, curmudgeon. curmudgeon. <laughs> uh, so it's a, a state of being tired. I was going to name my podcast that, the C words. The, C, like, the yeah. C words. It's not even sexual. It, it, it really, it, it really is, is a state of mind that is... Um, Oh, and cranky? Did we say cranky? And, uh, well, I think yeah, I think we did. See, we're so we're so old. We're senile. We don't even know what we just said. But I, 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 my my bottom line here is that those c words are the entree to the path that leads to um, the world's going to hell in a handbasket when you get older, because you have lived a certain way and you've seen a certain amount happen and it's it, it can hit you from the the levels you never thought you would. I mean, I don't know anybody right now who's in their late 60s who would say everything's just fine. It, I mean, the, the world is going to That'd help. be a great bumper sticker. Everything's I, just fine. I, yeah. I was, here's where I was, this is actually slightly connects to what I was thinking about today, which is you you both have to treat yourself really well and try to take good care of yourself and take yourself under try to know what you're feeling and thinking and at the same time you can't take yourself too seriously and you can't you have to kind of get over yourself so it's sometimes you have to watch out for your ego as they say and other times you have to look for it and summon it up to help you so it's a it's this funny uh, seesaw right. in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you you need it. it. You need your ego in some ways to, or you need you need fire in some ways to show up uh, to continue to create art. Really, I mean, if that's what and, we're, and, and then claim the ownership of it and the and the authorship and 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 to decide that it is purposeful because otherwise. It, 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 the ego, you're exactly right, is called upon 
to perform amazing tasks for our existence. And then at times, then gets ahead of steam and just goes way too far, takes on way too much, and then uh, outlives its 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 usefulness in that next moment when you're engaging another person, another ego. And then how do you how do you then navigate that? So I I, I think that that's a seesaw, like you just said. It's it's breathing in and out with almost everything we do. We can't go only one place and have it only be that. Yeah. Although in this day and age, it's amazing um, to have um, Donald Trump in our lives who seems to only go to one place and have one way of, of existing, which is not going in and out as much as moving in one direction only and never, ever challenging himself as to whether he's gone the right place or not. Um, it, that, that, that throws into the equation, I will say, something I didn't think I would see in my lifetime. Uh, I, I didn't, I never, I can't say I've ever experienced anybody on such a grand scale whose name even is Trump, which means it's like the Trump card, so that every time I'm now conditioned in my life to look at the bigger picture, I'm looking for that Trump card, which is his name, literally as to how he's affecting me or other people with his consciousness that only goes in this one direction, which seems extremely, um, not just dangerous, but but limited, and yet at the same time, it's lasted much longer than I would have imagined that it could have, given how diverse all the forces are in the world. So the rules of engagement that we're even talking about, that I ad- admire, that I even think are humanist, or, 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 or have values that I can relate to, are, as it turns out, not as uh, widespread as I had, had thought they were, given that I was creating or in the midst of creating with other people uh, things that being, were well-received. And I thought maybe a little more broadly, a, more, a little more universally, and it turns out um, I'm not right. So <laughs> then if I'm not right, how wrong am I? And is it the 51.1 or 4 to 49? I actually pay attention to those kinds of, of figures now almost or the 30% or whatever I think relates to this, what you were ultimately talking about as a whole in the carpenter's level, that bubble that that is what everything really is. But we define it within little percentages and fractions to help us determine for ourselves how right am I? Right. Well, I think that we're basing the prism that we're looking at Trump through with our own um, our own level. Like, like we're all. It, it was kind of a given when we talked about this conversation that we wanted to have a level, level, right? right? That's. But what if we didn't want a level? Like, right. what if that wasn't even on our? That's right. On our menu. That's right. Right. So so that's why I think that like it can be so head scratching to us to be like, well, right. well, don't you want like nuance and self-reflection and, and deep, level. deep thinking and level and, and lack of disruption? Right. So th- like we're, we got to question the premise here. Right. That's of, right. If, you that's know, I mean, right. if we're talking about someone like Trump, right. like 
would he want a level level? No, I mean, like that's you know. So no. in fact, that's, that's what he thrives on is is when there's disruption, and and so then to go back to this idea of the world going to hell in a handbasket, it's not the concept of some old Victorian biddy who's uh, you know like. Miss Gulch and the Wizard of Oz saying the world is, is these young people are not doing the right thing and I'm going to take your dog away because it's it's disrupting my my uh, peace. It's that that's a kind of a as though I'm at this age uh, and I'm far older than Miss Gulch um, saying the world's not doing the right thing the way I see it. The idea of the world going to hell in a handbasket turns out that it comes from the French Revolution where in those days, if you, you could not go, it was believed, to heaven without your head on. So if you had a guillotine that cut off your head in the French Revolution and it landed in a basket, you were going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> oh, God. And those are life and times that our species have gone through, and we don't want to go through those. Right. And, and it turns out that there, it's not so much of like a a choice of a of a slight morality issue it's it's a kind of a perversion of of who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell and so that's not as fun as we would like to think that the conversation that we're having right. would want to be but i i take it to that level just so that when it hits that level i go Okay, but that's not happening to me right now. So let's look at it through the lens of Hollywood, which is heaven is success and hell is a lack of success or failure. And failure. I mean, it's a it's a, a lack of um, of ex very much external success. And as Bob right? Dylan said, "There's no success like failure, and failure is no success at all." It's interesting in in Hollywood. I would question. There is so much hope and dream involved with Hollywood that it's an interesting question to wonder how much failure there really is, because even if people who may not have succeeded in the way of public recognition or money may consider themselves successful for living out their dream. Right. Or certainly closer to the dream than they would have otherwise. Yeah. So what keeps you going? Because you're someone who externally has had a lot of success and you're continuing to involve yourself with big projects that I know are stressful and... I would imagine that there is, I would imagine that you have those conversations with yourself. I'm having it right this moment because of the, <laughs> the situation that I just <laughs> vaguely referred to. So what is the, what does that conversation sound like in, in your head? Is there a greater purpose that if we succeed is achieved and thus it makes the pain and the frustration and even the stress temporary and do we work through it and, and, and that we are, in fact, successful at, at navigating the, 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 
the moments that are difficult mm. and that there's some there's something that people ultimately feel better at the other end of of having gone through that and i'm hopeful that 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 when i when i get to participate in that i i i i do feel i still feel the rush of it i still feel the coming together and the the high of the of the the as i said before the bigger than the sum of the parts right because those those do last longer um, in my memory, and I think that they're life they're life giving, not life taking, but they're not always easy easy to achieve and some of that that process that you have to find your way through um, and I would say as an older person, I recognize that sometimes it's just there and has to be gone through and yet at the same time being older. I don't want the stress if it's going to hurt my life. And that's a little more palpable at this stage than it used to be. Like I could power through or be frustrated or whatever. Now I, I want to make sure that I don't do the wrong thing. Right. And, and so I, I think that the, the simple answer is that, is that I still feel that I can and do want to make a difference. And that if I believe that the, the thing that I'm involved with has a purpose then I'm I'm hopeful that my contribution is 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 something that that is not just outside of me beneficial, but actually feels while I'm doing it like I'm contributing. So is it so is it more that you feel like you're contributing your unique talents in uh, a helpful way, or is it more that the purpose of the project is something that you believe in and is that purpose i mean because you're you're involved with i'd say it's with, both with, it's with both. You're, you're involved with with big movies that like the it's not like you're you know the it, director of an environmental organization whose purpose and mission statement is very like uh just direct you know but i think that cinema and film and like you know you look at a film like avatar you could argue that that changed the consciousness of millions and millions of people to become more aware of planet earth and more environmentally aware and yet if the process of making it had truly tipped into where let's say it could have um then it could never re reflected those values and so those of us who were a part of it led by jim um kept it on the 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 purposeful level that never really did lose sight of what it wanted to convey it's that 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 great place where form and content do come together and the process and the end result both matter so i i think the the, the equation that you just presented is the right one to ask the question about and the answer for me anyway is both hmm. because um i I feel it now. I don't, I, it's not an idea. When the process is wrong, it's not an idea that it's wrong. I feel it. I feel it in my, my blood, hmm. my, my, the constrictions and the, 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 so I, 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 on one hand, that's a very good barometer. On the yeah. other hand, it limits the capacities that I can participate in. If, if it, it's kind of like, is it just too rough? Is it just too rough? you know, and too much. And that's, those are questions I didn't have when I was younger. Now, as I'm getting older, those are real questions. I don't want to retire from the, the game, the fight, the participation, whatever it is, the sport. But I also know 
that that's part of what happens where you, you don't necessarily get to play at the same level in the same way. And so when I perceive a process that's uh, taking from me too much, then I have to back away, even if, if I thought it was purposeful. Hmm. But at the moment, fortunately, the, the, the balance of that level that you referred to is still, it's still within the bubble. But, but, but I do, when I, when I ask a question about it, um, it, it has to be very fundamental, like why? Why is that happening? And, and is that the truth of the situation? And if that's the truth of the situation, then I have to ask myself the next set of questions. So what's an example of that, like a why question in a specific well, movie that it, you've been a part of? That's a good question. Um, why? Why? Well, the why is always there on the, on the, the, the job level, uh, which is, as a production designer, to determine where something takes place. So if you, if you ask the first question that would be asked within the job description as to how to locate a scene in the movie, like where should this be shot, in a location, a stage set, a digital set, that that's that's your job is to figure that out and come up with a, a set list and 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 it, with all the range of how those might be accomplished but the why is why would you do it that way and then why is it the way it is that you're proposing so both those go together right away where you could say well it has to be a big scene and it has to have lots of special effects or it should be a very small scene and have none. Um, but it's supposed to be somewhere. So that why is a very powerful question. That leads directly, once you've dis discovered the nature of, of, of that, to the how. You know, so you can ask yourself, in my profession, where is it going to take place? Then scratch your head and say, why, is it, why am I making that decision? Or why are we making that decision? Once you've made that answer you can say well how are we going to do that now everybody else has their marching orders they can make the thing happen with your guidance but they know using their expertise what to do so the the real the real exploration is is um what is it we need why is it that you need it now how are you going to do it once you've described those, that set of parameters. So right now I'm in, in, you know, in projects that are still in their discovery phases, and one of them seems like it's going to be in discovery phase the whole way through, as to that constantly asking that question. And the, the why is not just as to where or what something is. It's... Um, why are certain people not getting along in terms of finding an agreement as to what it should be and then that which comes from there, which is how are you going to do it? Right, but it's still it's still that simple. I like that it's still that simple set of well, luckily, questions. I, 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 like for instance, that's why I referred to the email that I just sent, which is I, it, it, it's getting so complex that all I could go to was a simple question, which is the why. And then once that comes back, then I, I'll have my response and then I'll take get into the next level of, of discussion 
and then we'll we'll figure out what anything is. But it's it's a when I say what anything is, is that this is one of those situations where I'm on a project that has to define every step in its form just to find the content. So those are not easy. I mean, that happens when you have a director like Jim Cameron who's leading you through Avatar. You're you're actually in the midst of of figuring out the form of how it's going to be created, um, and then then you can create the content. But it's never been created that way before. Right. So it's great when you have a director, and the director determines that, and they're let's say the power behind the, what it is you want to do if it's a movie. And if there isn't one, it's a little bit like sometimes where I am trying to only be part time, but I'm kind of end up the director, meaning like I have to make the decision. And I and I I resist making that decision sometimes because I don't want to take all the responsibility for it. Right. So would an example of that be that there's a scene that a director wants to create and it's going to take an element of special effect that hasn't been created yet. So you're going to need engineers to create this dream world in a way that's never been done before. Is that kind of what you're, you're talking about? And if you're within the umbrella of somebody who is, who's going to um, say yes or no, to the to whatever you come up with, then that's one position. But if there's no there's nobody to say yes or no, and I'm in the the primary position of determining that we need to do something, it's <coughs> it's an equation I've not uh, um, experienced before. If it was twenty years ago or ten years ago, I probably would just jump into it and make it happen. And then, and then that would be my part of my ambition to achieve something, but I don't feel that way about it. I feel like I'm participating in something, so I have to breathe with it. And the only the reason I'm getting this far into this kind of a ambiguous state, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, right, you can't this, you can't talk about the well, project the fact that you're is working that it's on, so right? ambiguous, right. right? So you kind of go, "What the hell are you even talking right. about?" Right. Because I can't even refer to a movie as the paradigm by which to explain what I'm talking about. So to pull back out to another level, what I would say is in anybody's situation, when you feel ambiguous about where you are and you're, you're, you, it's strongly ambiguous, meaning it's not a weak state. You feel two opposing forces that are for sort of 49.9, 51.1. And you say, Wow, do I have to pick a side? I feel it's so close. Can't the, the can't can't you can't that just be bridged? Like a it's shouldn't that be simple? You know, it's not just an obvious sixty to thirty or something uh, uh, percentage type of choice. So then philosophically, I think the question is, what do you, me, anybody do when you feel ambivalent? And it's, but yet it's not a weak ambivalence, and it's not even an ambivalence that you want to walk away from. You just feel it strongly, but you can see so clearly how it could come together, but that the effort that it will take to come together might require something you don't want to give to it, because if you give that, the next version of it that repeats will come back to you, 
to again be the catalyst that bridges 49.9 to 51.1. I, I, I'm kind of in that ambiguous state right moment with one of these projects where I'm not sure what I want to do. I, I do actually then go to another level, which is to say, well, sometimes time reveals things that can't be uh, decided right, right at the moment. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm not sure what the answer is, and I don't mean to take this conversation into a place where it goes nowhere. I think it's more to say what you started with in the, even in the beginning, which is if you're nowhere and there's nothing, where are you? And now you're in that blank space, right, which is actually free from the ambiguity. It's free from... The decision is free from the achievement. It's free from anything. And then the question is, you know, how much energy do you have at that moment to keep going with it? Or do you decide that you're tired and want to go, you know, take a rest? I, I find that to be still fascinating as to get to the question of why still do it. Because to remove myself entirely from that equation would seem not what I what I want to be doing with my time if I have the energy to to engage it this way, and I know that all of that last five minutes is entirely vague, <laughs> other than to me. Well, and my my question, and and I guess my only add to that would be that sometimes the projects are not just limited to movies either; they're like other other types of projects that can draw you in and present opportunities for all of these things. But I guess what I was thinking was in a case like the 4951 and trying to figure out how to bridge that little space in there, um, do you find yourself asking, is there a way to do it for you to still be involved, but to do it with less energy? That's what I would prefer. Um, and we'll see. I mean, for me, I'm not sure I have to get hung up too much on this uh, as, as the only state. It's just, it's, it's one that seems to have a metaphor for me at this particular stage, and that may not really be relevant to to many other people, although I would say that probably um, a lot of people are feeling that kind of pick-a-side aspect that they don't necessarily want to have felt it as intensely as they are being uh, forced to feel it right now. Um, I mean, there's, I don't know that that's true, but um, that's sort of the way I feel. But I feel like, like even Kyle, for example, you trying to choose what you're focusing on in a way there's side picking going on there like which projects are you going to focus on which how to pursue them which elements of pursuit will you choose and which will you seek others to help you with yeah uh, so it's not it's not just something that it's something that people of different ages are still forced to address oh everyone is forced to address it i mean there's only so much time in a day and we all have to figure out how we're going to spend our time and and it'll get taken up if we aren't if we don't guard it uh and and we're not very um 
ruthless with how we choose to spend our time and how what we choose to learn. And I, I feel that every single day and I wake up, I'm like, I'm going to be dead very soon. I need to learn as much as I can about the things that I want to learn and spend the time uh, around the people who I really enjoy being around. And um, thankfully, I have a few different mediums in my life where I've been able to engineer that for myself. Um, and I think that I'm honing in better on, um, on just what I enjoy doing. Like, I think that there's an element of growing up that it it very much involves just knowing what you like doing. And I, I think that for a long time I had a really, I thought that there was something wrong with me because I couldn't stay on just one track. Like I, I couldn't stay with just one issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really am fascinated by a number of issues. You know, I would go after doing a a short documentary on plastic pollution, and then I'd do one on nuclear power, and then I would do one on GMOs, and then I would do one on the adverse effects of tourism in another country. And all of those gave me these little micro degrees that I really enjoyed. And for a long time, though, I felt like I, I had ADD or something, and I couldn't slow down. But now I'm coming to the point where I just didn't necessarily have the best medium all the time to to be the the version of myself that I wanted to show because a pot what's so great about a podcast is that I can have you two on and then I can have a professional surfer on the next week and then I can have a Navy SEAL on the next week and then I can have a, a porn star on the next week and people really love that diversity and so do I but you couldn't do that with a Netflix series, right? If Stranger Things wanted to show you one one episode this week about the story, and then the next week it's like, hey, it's going to be Rick and Adele getting interviewed. You're going to love it. We're going to make it good. People wouldn't dig on that. But the thing that I like about podcasts and the thing that I like also about podcast audiences, because this has been another great thing for me, is the, the people who I've connected with as a result of doing this show have been really cool people who also are really curious so that's been great is that this is kind of like this beacon for me to to connect with other curious people who like to think um, about a lot of different ideas and and move laterally from one to the next. Um, so now I just now it's like I'm leaning on that weakness as a strength. I think it's the paradigm shift that you discover that you can make. And how powerful it can be because um, that which can feel uh, fragmented where you, you, you everything you just described as a podcast or a not a podcast a the projects before the podcast that were different subjects are all within uh, one sphere mm. very easily to define I mean there's just a, a social consciousness that pervades all of those uh, Uh, projects and you're getting a different glimpse each time from a different angle of some aspect but the thing itself is is still a whole but but when you're discovering it one at a time especially when you're younger and particularly in your 20s it presents itself as though oh it's all about this and then everybody else who's in that sphere or that genre they 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 go yes that's what you're you're doing 
and you want to think, well, maybe I'd stay here and go deeper. But instead, you go to the next one, and it seems like, and then everybody says, well, wait a minute, you're not a folk singer anymore? You know, you know, oh, you're a rock and roller? Or you're doing this or that? But really, you're a musician. And right. then even then, broader than a musician, you might be an artist who paints and draws and so that, that that's the sphere. Right. And there's a there's a, an aspect to realizing that these are all things that we do that are uh, glimpses of the same thing. I, I think it's very difficult, uh, other than if you're truly fragmented on a deep mental illness level where you're so fragmented that nothing relates. I'm kind of guessing that that, that most most people from at least my experience, reveal themselves pretty consistently and, and cyclically almost through their lives so that you, it, what may look like a lot of things that are disparate start coming together, if nothing more than in, in time where it, it kind of, you see it arise again. Yeah. So then again, in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s, you say, oh, yeah, I, kind of, oh, I did that cycle, that roundabout then. I did it again this way and this way. And then then it feels more whole than it does fragmented. Well, I'll tell you one thing that you brought up earlier in this conversation that I really identify with now is uh, listening to the way your body feels when you're doing something. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that there is this larger intelligence that we can't always intellectualize in the Mm -hmm. moment. But when our shoulders tighten up and our breath shortens, I'm getting better at noticing when that happens. And feeling the situation coming before coming before it gets there uh and also noticing when i'm pulled in a direction i can't really explain why mm-hmm. um so one thing that i like that i'm i'm really enjoying doing now more is having a plan as a backup if that makes sense mm-hmm. and using opportunity and like because i don't know what when i walk out the door tomorrow what opportunity will come and it would be stupid of me to pass by that opportunity if it could lead to something great right so that doesn't mean that i don't have a plan and there aren't skills that i'm trying to build right now uh that can get me into positions where i can make more money and uh, do work that i really enjoy doing and i'm fulfilled by like i have that but if I'm gonna, but if I miss something along the way, then that's a miss. So it's it's like like you talk about. We have conversations about this all the time, where you talk about like that space in between, where you're kind of like suspended in midair before you land. But really, like that's most of life. I'm finding that's right. it's like it's very rare that that you're like, oh, I know exactly what I do, what I'm gonna do, and usually that space lasts for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. before the universe knocks you upside the head. Right. So being okay with that kind of like, like I, the way that I think about it is like when you're on a trampoline and your friend like super bounces you and there's that moment in the air where you're just kind of looking around and thinking, wow, I don't really know how I'm going to land right now, but I know that if I tuck and roll, I'll probably be less, it's less likely that I'll get injured. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that I'm just in the moment now and, and and can kind of enjoy it and look around. Well, and just that metaphor, if one were to say back to you, wave after wave of that would be literal for you. Right. Yes. (laughs) The surfing metaphors are endless. (laughs) Well, but I'm just saying to describe being in that moment, 
that is unconnected and you don't know how you're going to land, but that becomes the point of the, of the experience is so greatly manifest in the, 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 the very activity of riding a wave. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's, 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 it's such a powerful real life event in relationship to a natural occurrence that you participate in. So when you, when you find yourself doing it and seeking it on land and yet still in relationship to water, you're still surfing because it's the thing you know how to do and it's your relationship to nature which, which reaffirms itself every time you do it. But on land, it can be more confusing sometimes until those times when you are, you're catching a great set and, and one after another seems to like reveal itself that, you, that you're not actually surprised at how the wave's breaking or the fact that you've caught it. Or, so those metaphors that, that, that people have, those are hard-earned for their lives. Um, you're someone who has a, a very real one that is, it's both real life and a metaphor at the same time, even when you apply it outside of, of uh, surfing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think that we live in a culture where you people expect you to know what you're going to do next, right? It's right. Th that, that question, what, you, what have you been up to recently? Right. What, have you, what do you have going on next? Right. And to not know... And most of us don't know, honestly, allows for a kind of lie that forces us to lie to ourselves. And I've I've struggled with this a lot, especially sure. having spent more time down here in in the film world. Right. What are you doing? Who are yeah. you? Yeah, that's right. And it's like, okay, whew, all right, here's my resume uh, immediately. But, you know, you don't want to just give it to them right off because then they won't be in interested. So you got to just like just put like one little thread out there so it brings them in and then they're curious and then you've got them and then they really care about what it is that you're doing. But really, most of the people in the room have no idea what they're doing or what they're going to do next. Right. So the way that I've been answering the question recently is I just tell people what I did today. Hmm. People say, like, what have you been up to recently? I'm like, well... This morning I had a great bowl of oatmeal and it had bananas in it. And do you know much about banana production in Jamaica? It turns out that it's all been privatized and it's a really big issue over there. And then maybe we'll get into a, a cool funny. conversation that will kind of like divert it away from the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. It's this kind of uh, good, good move. move. That's, that's my move. Good move. Yeah. Well, it also goes from the intimate to the 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 global in a in a in a in a in a bite-sized way <laughs> well it, and it's spontaneous <laughs> which is nice yeah yeah and then it well it, it takes it away from this like bravado bravado like pissing contest like who are you what do you do right because i'm much i i find that the range of friends that i have in my life is so, it's so f far out like that's one of the greatest things that i take joy in my life it's like i have friends that are like good friends some of my best friends are in their 50s and some of my best friends are in their 20s right and they do completely different things right and and also by the way i don't think many people really enjoy giving a recitation of what they've done recently because it feels a bit like a list yeah whereas when you when you say i had oatmeal with bananas 
and you know about banana production, then you're really kind of riffing on what you're kind of into. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you then know, it, and it or gives... Or like what either turns you on or off or... And I think that's where people really enjoy having a conversation, even if it's strangers. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And you can very quickly get into a cool conversation with strangers yeah. if you get away from the what do you do question. Yeah. It's so much more fun that way. Good conversation, guys. Yeah, I, 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 I realize I'm starting to fade at 10 o'clock at night. This is um, this is perfect. But um, but no, it's great that you wanted to even have the conversation and, and made it happen. And uh, um, anyway, well, you know, we're, I, I picture us we're sending off, and it's a big double bounce on the trampoline, and we're all in the air. Right, right, right. Exactly. That's our show, my friends. I just returned from the Global Waves Conference where I had the opportunity to speak and meet all kinds of bright people from the ocean conservation realm. I also got podcasts coming at you with uh, amazing people like Captain Liz Clark. That one will be out in the weeks ahead. I look forward to sharing it with you. Until then, get out in the water, have a beautiful day, and I don't know what else. Just keep living because it's a temporary experience and it might all be gone tomorrow. You never know when it could be over. So tell someone you love them today. And thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Little Brother by Nate Maingard. Nate is one of our listeners from Cape Town, South Africa, and I will link to his band page in the show notes on my website, kyle.surf. See you soon. Simple